Welcome to the In Plain Sight podcast, a project of City Care, an Oklahoma City-based nonprofit that inspires those willing to look social injustice and extreme poverty in the face and empowers them to do whatever it takes to create change. It is our goal to inspire you to care well for your city by bringing to light stories and issues lost in plain sight, hiding in the margins of our communities. You belong here because each of us has a role to play in the collective well-being of our friends and neighbors. We are activists for the overlooked and we are so glad you're here. We are so glad you're here. My name is Jenna and I'm your host for the In Plain Sight podcast. We are over the top excited to welcome our first guest to the show, Oklahoma City Mayor David Holt. Mayor Holt was elected in February of 2018, and at the time, he was the youngest mayor in the country for a city with a population of more than 500,000. He won with over 78% of the vote, running on a unity message of one OKC. Mayor Holt believes even though our city has come so far, so fast, we are not finished yet. As part of the ongoing conversation regarding the next iteration of our city's maps program, which we will discuss more on the show, we can reimagine how we invest in caring well for our city. Listen in. Mayor Holt, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Jenna. Mayor Holt, thank you again for, for being here. Uh, I would I would love for you to start us out by introducing yourself, you know, tell us how, how you got to to where you're at and, and maybe tell us a little bit about your journey of becoming mayor of Oklahoma City. Well, sure. I, uh, I was born and raised here in Oklahoma City, went to Putnam City Schools, grew up in Northwest Oklahoma City, and I, uh, I ended up going to college in uh, D.C. at George Washington University, and uh, I ended up uh, serving in the White House for two years for President Bush. Met my wife, Rachel, during that time period. She's from Philadelphia. We, we came back here in 2004. You know, if you can remember back to that time, you know, Oklahoma City was kind of and made some investments through things like maps and so there was a, a renewed sense of optimism but it hadn't really you know flourished yet you know there wasn't a sense that we had this renaissance that people have spoken uh, so commonly of the last 10 years um, but I you know I had this vague sense of wanting to be a part of what I felt like was a city on the verge of doing something and uh, I didn't have a master plan I didn't expect necessarily to be the mayor 15 years later but I, uh, but I came back and uh, ended up being uh, Mayor Cornette's chief of staff for five years. So that was my first exposure to City Hall. And uh, during that time, I went to law school at night. I got a degree from OCU. And then uh, uh, we had uh, our kids, George and Maggie. And then I ended up being elected in 2010 to the Oklahoma Senate and served eight years there representing parts of Northwest Oklahoma City. And then when Mayor Cornette decided to Hang it up as mayor after 14 years. I threw my hat in the ring and uh, and ran and, and was elected uh, in 2018. So um, a little more than a year on the job now, and and I love it. It's it's in a state definitely way better than my last job. Definitely, <laughs> definitely way better than being a senator. So, uh, but it's a great time in Oklahoma City, and I, I still think we have an enormous amount of potential. But we also have a a great track record of getting things done. So you know. Uh, a sense that I didn't necessarily have in the legislature that we really could, um, you know, not just propose a vision, but but really execute one. That's awesome. Uh, Adam here. Mayor, mm -hmm. thanks so much for taking some time to be with us today. Yeah. Um, I think one of the first things you've really had to talk about and explain to the community is maps. Mm -hmm. And you've done a great job of that. You've also really, I think, kind of 
expanded our imagination of what maps could mm -hmm. be for. Mm -hmm. So we thought it would be good for you to maybe just explain to the listeners the concept of maps yeah. and how you've challenged our city to reimagine the power of maps for our friends on the margins um, where we could possibly tackle issues like homelessness. Mm -hmm. So uh, let me give a little history for someone listening who may not quite you know, connect all these dots. They probably, if they live here at all, they've maybe heard the word maps, probably have certainly have a sense that things have changed here the last 20, 25 years. But what really happened was about a quarter century ago in 1993, um, you know, we'd hit rock bottom through, um, you know, through oil bust and a banking crisis and, and the bombing was yet to happen. But all of this sort of, you know, played into a sense that, that uh, our city just couldn't have been in a worse place in the early to mid 90s. And so in 1993, the voters uh, approved a one cent sales tax for five years just in that time period to build um, fun stuff really I mean you know it was it was a thing we lacked and it turned out even though the things that that maps constructed initially like a sports arena and a ballpark and and just a dams on the river so there was water in it you know so we didn't have to mow it twice a year <laughs> um, just doing those things as as superficial as they may seemed may have seemed was was pretty necessary to, to the future of this city. Um, <clears throat> that was the crisis in 1993, that there was nothing to do here. So, you know, that started to turn things around and that story and is, is well documented. And then Maps for Kids was, you know, the, the first time that, you know, at this point, Maps, the brand was pretty popular. And so people thought, well, if we need to do something else, let's, let's call it Maps, you know, let's keep calling it Maps. And so, so Maps 2, Maps for Kids, was uh, you know, an initiative just to fix the school buildings of Oklahoma City. And then in 2009, and I was here at City Hall working for Mayor Cornette at the time, the voters adopted Maps 3. And that was a bit of a return to the, to the Maps 1 model of uh, you know, entertainment and you know, quality of life initiatives largely. Um, things like the park that's going to open later this year, the convention center that's going to open next year, the, the streetcar that opened in December. Um, those are some of the leading projects, but but there was maybe for the first time, uh, uh, you know, a, a look at, you know, maybe some things around the city as well, more neighborhood needs like the senior centers and sidewalks and trails. Well, okay, so you flash forward now 10 years and, uh, and MAPS 3 sales tax collection has ended. The projects are still, you know, being implemented. We did a street sales tax in the interim, which was pretty important. Yeah. But I take office and, 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 and thrust into the position um, somewhat uniquely of having to, yeah, lead this MAPS 4 conversation um, pretty quickly into my tenure, you know. Yeah. I mean, if you looked at, you know, Mayor Norick ran... Um, you know, MAPS won in his second term. You know, Mayor Cornette, um, you know, had already been through uh, uh, one or two elections, you know, by that point. It was his uh, fifth year, maybe. And uh, similarly for, uh, for Mayor Humphreys and MAPS for Kids. I mean, it's unique that before two years are done, I will have already put before the voters a MAPS for their consideration. But that's just the way the calendar worked out with, with the street sales tax ending at the end of March 2020. So, you know, we have the opportunity, the power of maps is now that, you know, we have the opportunity to, to, to consider making an enormous number of great investments that will really help our city without even increasing the sales tax rate from where it is today. Maps would simply continue the sales tax rate exactly where it is today. So if you're comfortable with where the sales tax is today, you can keep it right there, but maybe make a new commitment to a whole bunch of great things for the people of Oklahoma City. So to your point about, um, you know, reimagining maps a little bit, 
Um, I think where, where we seem to be evolving is we spent 25 years building fun things for the people of Oklahoma City. And I don't I, don't, I make no apologies for that. We needed some fun things, you know, a city without anything to do and anything to appeal to millennials and, and other uh, young people, you know, is a city without a future. But, um, but having worked so hard on that for so long, it seems as if the crisis of 2019, uh, in contrast to 1993, is less about having fun things to do and more about um, you know, uh, as you as you referred to, what are, what are the needs of, of the people at the margins, and what are um, what are the needs of our of our people and our neighborhoods? You know, and less about maybe downtown this time around. And so we've certainly, as as we opened the process up for ideas in in 2018, that was certainly the feedback I felt we were getting that people were talking about you know neighborhood things like transit and youth centers and parks and human needs like. Uh, domestic violence and mental health and substance abuse and and homelessness, you know, and and wondering what maps could do for those things. And one thing, uh, another aspect of the reimagining was I started to see those those challenges and observing that you know they're not all capital related. Some are, um, you know, like you're working on a, and sometimes they're mixed. Like you're working on a, you know, a, this this uh, concept of a low barrier night shelter. Well, there's capital involved there, but there's also operations involved. And we've we've had those challenges before. Maps One did consider the challenges of operating these buildings and had these sort of uh, endowments paid for out of what we call the use tax. I won't get into what that means, but just know it's just a it's a pot of money and. <laughs> And, and, in, and in 1993, the, the city leaders at that time thought, yeah, this, this is something we need to think about. So they had kind of spin-down endowments, I would call it. Well, you could have structured those as perpetual endowments. You know, you, when you, nonprofits, wealthy people, institutions are very familiar with endowments, and, and it's the way a lot of people operate things, and it's the concept that you set aside a certain number of dollars, and then you only spend you know, the investment and, and savings income off of that, which, you know, may only be 4 or 5% a year, but, you know, for, you know, the right amount of money uh, targeted at the right task, you know, that could be exactly uh, the answer. And so in our case, you know, I'm looking at some of these needs are really more programmatic than they are uh, capital related. And some of the things that are capital related are clearly going to have some operating expenses. And in maps three, we had that as well, but we just didn't we didn't do the endowments again. And so, you know, we've had to deal with the operational costs of the streetcar and the park and 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 the, the river sport facility, and and it's a challenge sometimes. And I would like to be more conscious of that this time as as we craft maps four. So so we've reimagined it in the the subject matter that we're looking at, and I think we've also reimagined it in the concept of having some endowments and how all that relates specifically to homelessness. Homelessness, obviously, an example of a different kind of subject matter than sports arenas and, and canals, you know. But um, also potentially, um, you know, an example of something that might be better served by some programmatic um, operating type costs than, uh, that go on than, than maybe a building. Although you're working on one right now, um, you know, MAPS takes a while, and I don't know that we all know what homelessness facilities are going to be necessary in 2027 you know it may be that we'd just be better to have a funding stream to do yeah. some things with at a city level here in Oklahoma City people don't necessarily realize that you know the vast um, 
burden of, of addressing the issue of homelessness in our city is dealt with by the nonprofit sector, not, not the city government. As a city government, your city tax dollars, we spend just now uh, about $300,000 a year out of a billion dollar budget on homelessness. And, um, you know, so a $20 million endowment that, you know, is paid for one time by tax, you know, MAPS dollars um, could spin off, you know, a million dollars a year for the topic of homelessness forever. You know, and I think it's a really powerful idea to think that the MAPS penny for just a month and a half could be set aside and, and, and no more dollars collected, but provide a million dollars a year for homelessness till the end of time, you know? And that would represent if you kept, you know, if you retained what you're already spending, you could quadruple, you know, the amount that you're spending on homelessness in this city. Um, from a city, you know, funding perspective, I, I think that's a, that could be a very powerful idea. And, you know, we're a community that um, I think is beginning, uh, if not already, understand um, that the issue of homelessness is serious. It's, it's something that deserves uh, a greater commitment. And, um, and, and, you know, there's always going to be a need for it, even if, even if hopefully you're cycling mm -hmm. individuals out of that, um, out of that, you're still, there's always someone right behind them, you know, and so you'll always have homelessness in Oklahoma City. You will hopefully end it for each person, but you will always have someone else who's, who's finding themselves in that cycle. And, um, and so we're always going to need, uh, I think, uh, a commitment there. But it's nice to think that we could do it in a way that, you know, is perpetual and enduring. And, and that's what, you know, how it's come up in a MAPS context is the idea that uh, maybe we could have an endowment for that. There's still two or three months. People may have a totally different concept, and there's still time for that. But, it, but bottom line, however it looks, I definitely think there is a, a strong sentiment uh, amongst the people, amongst the elected officials, everybody, um, to, to address homelessness as one of our topics in a MAPS-4. And that's also running concurrent with, as you're well aware, um, you know, a task force that, that we've formed uh, on the topic of homelessness. So we have a community vision that, that all the nonprofit community and all the elected leadership of the city have bought into. Um, and you should just do that probably every 10 years, if not, if not more often. And we haven't done it here for over a decade. So that just kicked off, as you're well aware, in the last couple months. Um, so on the topic of homelessness, a lot of focus uh, from the city government, both in a MAPS-4 context and in a policymaking context. And so it's, a, it's an interesting time for sure if that's, if that's something that you're um, focused on. Obviously, everyone at this table is. Yeah, yeah I think that's great. Uh, it's a good point. I think the, the task force is going to help us focus on those individuals who we would call chronically homeless, our neighbors mm -hmm. who have been living outside for maybe a year or more. And I think through this task force addressing the short, shorter term needs mm -hmm. in, in comparison to what MAPS is going to be addressing in, in eight or 10 years, um, we'll open up the door to use resources to make those experiences of homelessness as short and brief as possible. Mm -hmm. And when we look around the United States communities that are doing that really well, it's because they've focused on those short-term chronically homeless individuals first and then dedicated resources to uh, making those experiences of homelessness as short as possible. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Mayor, thank Jenna. you again. Thank you. So much. <laughs> um, as someone who did watch your time in the Senate and then watch mm -hmm. your time now as mm -hmm. mayor, I think just be, on behalf of all of us, we really do want to say thank you. Oh, well, I mean, these conversations you. matter. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's been what we've been hearing too is how much local government matters mm -hmm. and how we can have robust partnerships 
uh, between the private sector, the nonprofit sector, and the government sector. So thank you for helping lead those conversations. We're excited by your council members too, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and for their buy-in, you know, and I think that we're all really optimistic. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to ask you kind of to wrap up, mm-hmm. um, what do you believe it looks like to care well for our city? And you've done a great job, but how do you plan to keep that at the forefront of your tenure for however long you are mayor mm-hmm. in the city? Well, um, you know, I think for a long time we were focused on on a great economy, which we reasonably tied to our quality of life and and you know our, our entertainment options. Some of the, you know some of that history I alluded to earlier, um, and I think that's all important. And I and I won't lose focus of those things because I don't want to go back to to where we were in 1993. Um, but I think to care well for our city also means, um, you know, thinking about um, those, you know, for whom entertainment is the least of their issues, you know, and, and that's a lot of people. It's, it's, um, it's easy to kind of live in our bubbles and sort of think that, uh, if not everyone, the vast majority of people are living the same life we're living, you know, and, and in a city as large as ours, we're one of the five largest cities in the United States, we can quite physically live in our bubbles, you know, I mean, we, we, we kind of surround ourselves, we sort of segregate ourselves in, in Oklahoma City and, and uh, you know, only get exposed to people who have a similar socioeconomic and educational background as us. And, uh, and you know, as mayor, you're sort of forced to get out of your bubble and see, you know, the, the city for all its complexity. And so I think for me, you'll always see an interest in making sure that, you um, you know, everybody's opportunities are as equally as equal as we can possibly make them. Um, and, and, and that means some of the, you know, kind of investments that we talked about earlier, but it also means, um, you know, how are decisions being made and who's making them? Um, you know, I've talked a lot about, um, you know, how increasingly diverse our city is. Um, uh, you know, We've had 36 mayors, and, and uh, all 36 are white people from Northwest Oklahoma City. But we're actually, as we as we record this podcast, we're sitting in my conference room, and um, you know, one of the the very first things I did on the day I took office was uh, this room had been uh, decorated with the pictures of old mayors for as long as anybody could remember, and I respectfully moved them down the hall and and replaced them with these 20 pictures of Oklahoma City kids. Well. I like the idea of the future looking at us, but, um, but what I also wanted was 20 subjects that were demographically representative of Oklahoma City's kids, because that is a, uh, that is a very different look than people necessarily think who've, who've been here for a long time, or, or even more so if you have no experience with Oklahoma City, you might think of it as sort of homogeneously white, because that's how our leadership has always looked. But, the reality is, if you look at these walls, 60% of the kids under the age of 18 in Oklahoma City are non-white. And so, you know, that uh, diversity is ever-increasing. We'll be a majority-minority city, um, you know, in the years ahead. And it's, it's long past time that people start getting their minds around that and understanding that. And that, uh, you know, we build a bigger table so that everybody has a voice. And, and so, um, you know, who's making decisions and how we're making decisions um, is also of equal importance to making sure that we're, you know, we're, we're taking good care of the city. Uh, we need to have everybody's uh, voice at the table. And, uh, and that's a, a diversity, obviously, of ethnicity, but also of geography and gender and age. Um, you know, everybody, I think, uh, rightfully expects to have a voice in 2019. And we certainly, I, as mayor, I certainly want to do everything I can 
to accommodate that and uh, be proactive about that. You know, substantively, it means you know, boards and commissions appointments, and, and, you know, I have hundreds of those, and I want those to look like Oklahoma City. Um, and then maybe more symbolically, it's things like what I did on my walls here, and it's, and it's using my platform as mayor to get around the city and expose people to, um, you know, use social media and other, way, other methods to expose people to the things outside of their bubble. Um, and help them find empathy for each other. You know, uh, empathy and understanding each other is the only way that, you know, a city of 650,000 people can possibly move forward. And uh, in the face of all this, uh, you know, rancor and division in national politics, I'm very intentional about setting a different example here because I think our unity has been one of the reasons we've been able to accomplish so much. But, um, you know, with changing demographics and the national political scene, we'd have every excuse in the world to lose that unity, and I just, I just don't want to see that happen. So that's why I've always talked about, you know, one OKC as a motif of my service because uh, I just think that's so critically important to the future of Oklahoma City. Thank you yeah. so much. Yeah, Peter. well, thank really you. you. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on. This episode was so much fun to record. Imagine Mayor Holt, JD, a member of his team, Adam Bryce, and I huddled around one mic uncomfortably close together at the end of the mayor's conference room table. We are so thankful he was willing to share his time with us. To learn more about Mayor Holt, please follow him on all social media, where he is known for his personal engagement, unmatched transparency, unwavering support of the Oklahoma City Thunder, and from time to time, some hilarious cultural references. Thank you for being here. To learn more about CityCare, please visit us at citycareokc.org or check us out on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook, CityCareOKC. We are activists for the overlooked, and we will see you soon.